We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. Coming to you live for a Saturday Q&A. As you can probably tell if you are watching this, I'm not at my usual setup. I am at Newport Beach for the weekend. Uh, So I apologize in advance for any (laughs) Wi-Fi or sound issues, uh, but hopefully we'll uh, go off without a hitch today. So joining me, as always, for for this Q&A are my guys Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. Have you recovered from watching... Uh, the Wimbledon final. How are you doing otherwise? No, don't care. Don't care about any the one who played the Wimbledon final. Sounds good. Steven it looks like he's being held hostage uh, right now <laughs> in Newport Beach. I, as the thing was loading up, it showed his face like darker, like he was one of those 16 minutes like anonymous people while, yeah, while the lighting goes down. Nice. So you, I just imagine like a muffled voice being like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. If I lean back too much, it goes completely dark. <laughs> and I like, I, so I have my phone light on right now and on top of my mm. computer to try and uh, avoid that a little bit, but uh, we'll see how it works. Uh, Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing very well. I have the opposite problem. I'm way too bright. I don't know why the entire side of my face is like that, but I'm going like Phantom of the Opera, Gerard Butler look right now. Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So, like I said, we are here for a Q&A. We have a couple from our uh, YouTube members that we'll get to. Of course, if you guys in the chat here uh, have anything that you want to make sure you get answered, feel free to use the Super Chat feature. We'll always uh, 
be sure to answer those ones and then hopefully just have a good time talking some football. We are officially 17 days away from training camp, from the opening of training camp. So uh, the uh, beginning of football season is fastly approaching. So uh, Tyler, we'll, we'll kick it back to you here for our first question uh, from Teresa Compapas. You want me to read them? Yeah, if you could, that'd be great. Absolutely. Uh, okay. I'll just go in a completely random order because there's eight of them. So thank you for sending them in. Uh, when the Chargers get to the Super Bowl, which team would you most like to see them play? Hmm. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with the Buccaneers because even though he doesn't play for the Patriots anymore, I would mm-hmm. love to get a victory over Tom Brady. Just kind of reverse all the Patriots Brady juju that <laughs> plagued the Chargers under Philip Rivers. So I think just from a uh, an emotional standpoint, that'd be fun. And the Buccaneers are obviously a very good team. So uh, I'll go with the Bucks. I'll go Rams. I feel yeah, like it was kind of supposed to, you know, there was the idea of it happening last year when the Super Bowl was in LA. But um, I think that would be a real blockbuster thing for both teams. Yeah, that's what I'd go with. I don't really have a thing against nfc teams like i would love to beat the patriots i'd love to beat the chiefs but that's not how super bowls work right. unless we're switching so yeah i think the rams for me if we beat them it'd be great if we lose that backfires hard on the chargers but um yeah hey I'd, I'd, I'd rather go beat the rams if possible yeah definitely don't have any like hard feelings towards any nfc teams which is kind of why i went with uh tom brady and and all that crew so um good question appreciate it um We'll get to one from the chat here from Med609. He wants to know if there are any underrated training camp battles that we aren't talking about enough. Uh, It depends if there's really a competition, but I do think if they keep four tight ends, that's a camp battle no one's talking about. We're all assuming that they're not keeping four tight ends this year because they drafted Xander Horvath, but that doesn't really prevent them from doing that either. So... They could keep it again. And look, Stone Smart was amazing, apparently, in minicamp. Um, I yeah. think Camp Moyer has a shot as that H-back type. Camp Moyer is a good blocking tight end. So is it an exciting battle? Not really. But if the Chargers keep four tight ends, that's a battle we're not even talking about. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's the one. Uh, aside from that, I don't know if there's not one we're not talking about. But I guess what they decide to do with those last couple cornerback spots will be interesting um, because they've talked about, um, you know, what they want to do with like Jalen Guyton and Nick Gunner. So does that take like someone like Kimon Hall totally out of consideration? Probably. Uh, I don't know. And then, yeah, you sort of have a, you know, weird amount of picks there. Like we think Jasir Taylor probably makes the roster, but Dean Leonard, he had a couple pass breakups and was supposedly good during minicamp. So maybe he could crack the roster, maybe not. So I'll say how many defensive backs they decide to carry in general and then which which ones those guys are, particularly on the back end of the roster and special teams. Yeah, I think kind of piggybacking off of that would be the safety four spot um, after, mm-hmm. you know, JT Woods yeah. is, is really an interesting one because Mark Webb only had the one game, only had like the seven or eight snaps, and then he got hurt. Uh, Lohi Gilman also battled some injuries last year, wasn't a draft pick of this current regime, and um, after he came back from the injury, just wasn't really the same player. I know he had a great tackle in week 18 against the Raiders last year, which kind of maybe hinted at him being back to full speed, if you will. But I think mm-hmm. just from a physical profile, I think Mark Webb gives you a little something different in that safety room that 
Although, although he Gilman just can't necessarily do as a bigger body kind of player who can play in the box, cover tight ends, ideally. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do there with Webb and Gilman. Um, mm-hmm. Do they keep both because Webb's kind of recovering the, from the injury, bring him back slowly? That's, I think, something that uh, is worth keeping an eye on through training camp for sure. What was Gilman playing through again? I think you said it after the season. It was a, it was a torn quad, I think. I believe it was a quad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which I can't even imagine how that would feel like. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Tyler, let's get to our next one from our uh, YouTube members. Okay, this one is from Steven, who's also in the chat. Scenario, it is 4th and 10, and the defense is on the field. If they get the stop, they win. Which 11 defenders do you want out there, and how would you want them lined up? I can type your answers if that helps. <laughs> um. I'd go with a dime package. I'd go mm-hmm. four down linemen, yep. one linebacker, ideally Drew mm-hmm. Tranquil. Um, so defensive linemen, I'd go with obviously Bose and Mack, and then I'll put uh, Morgan Fox on Fox. the inside and Sebastian Joseph Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then DBs, I'll go with the three safeties, Derwin, mm-hmm. Nas, JT Woods, and then uh, Asante, JC Jackson, and Bryce Callahan. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I kind of agree with that. Um, only situation where I think that's maybe a little different is if you're playing like the Chiefs or Raiders, and then you probably maybe throw Michael Davis in there, depending on um, mm-hmm. when you're lining up. Tight end. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of... But I mean, yeah, that kind of depends on like every team you're playing. We could like tweak this uh, a little bit and have like one more linebacker, depending on who you're playing, or uh, one, yeah, one more corner. So... I, I have no problem with that list. I think it's fine. Um, interesting discussion, I guess, would be Tillery versus Fox because <laughs> I'm leading towards Fox. In that to me. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not interesting, but depending on what day I'm getting Jerry Tillery and if he's firing yeah. the use in like the Kansas City game from a couple of years ago, like maybe I consider putting him in, but generally I probably side with Fox. Still, yeah. yeah, no. If, if he's play, if we're playing the the Chiefs or the Bengals, I'm sliding into yeah. three for three downs a game. Yeah, uh, those two good games yeah. a year. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. if you want to get a little crazy, you could put Kyle Van Noy in for for Sebastian Joseph Day and kick Joey Bosa oh, yeah. on the inside yeah. and Cole Mack on the inside. Especially if it's fourth and ten, you kind of assume they're passing, so get a little wild up yeah. front. I guess I suppose you could put in Kyle Van Noy over Tranquil, but I don't know. We'll see what they. Yeah, could be fun. What about if it was fourth and twenty nine? Oh, jeez. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you had to go there, man. You had yeah. to go there. That's an undefeated play, so we, there's nothing we can do. <laughs> um, uh, I can get another one from the... Dad for the super chat. Yes, thank you, Dad. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope the Raiders win one more game for that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, we do have one actually on Patreon from Frank Blakely who asks, Ooh. do you think Derwin has a shot at MVP if he has five sacks, oh. five interceptions, defense is top five, and we make the playoffs? No, because the quarterback will never not win the MVP award. <laughs> yeah, I would say defensive player for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, MVP, I feel like, I mean, we just saw, we talked about wide receiver rankings Um last week right and cooper cup did something that we haven't seen in like 20 years mm-hmm. and he got like two mvp votes i think it was <laughs> was it really so, yeah. yeah 
I think, I think you, yeah, ahead, I think Alex. it's just straight up impossible. <laughs> like in this current era, with how we're passing the ball and how many like great quarterbacks there are, I just don't think it's going to happen. Like, I, I don't even think you could get like a one-off Sean Alexander like LT kind of year. I yeah. honestly don't think that can happen now. Even if you go to like the wide receiver position, because then the credit's going to go to the quarterback, that wide receiver usually, which you know, um, then you have like a Stafford MVP or something like that. Yeah. So I don't know. I I also just don't think a defensive player can win. <laughs> if Aaron Donald has a damn sure won an MVP by now, right. I just like I I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> you and Teresa on the, on the same no. page there. I mean, there was um, I want to say it was 2014 when Aaron Rodgers won the MVP, and people all season long were, were debating between him and JJ Watt and JJ Watt. Yeah. Had, you know, like 20 tackles for loss and like 20 sacks and like this crazy season. Mm-hmm. And Aaron ended up getting like 35 out of 50 votes or something like that. So it's just so hard for non-quarterbacks for the MVP. But defensive player, if he has that kind of season, he's yeah. definitely in that conversation. Um, obviously, kind of depends on who else is doing what. I think defensive player of the year is really focused more towards the pass rushers, not to the same right. scale of, you know, MVP and quarterbacks, but you know, if Derwin has that kind of season, but Joey Bosa has 18 and a half sacks, then I think people would kind right. of lean towards Joey Bosa on his own team. So just looking back, so Gilmore won it in 2019. If we're talking about DBs after that, the next one was Troy Polamalu in 2010. So, I mean, it's, it's so possible. Two in, the, two in the last 12 years or 11 years, I guess. Yeah. So two since 2010. Although three since 2009, you got Charles Woodson. So all you have to do is be Charles Woodson or Troy Polamalu and, you know, you'll win. <laughs> I mean, we also just had TJ Watt come up a half sack of uh, breaking Strahan's record. And I don't think he got mm-hmm. like any consideration really for the MVP. Right. Not that I'm saying he should have, but I just think it's so hard as a defensive player or offensive player at this point. It's not a quarterback. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a side note off of this conversation. Do you guys think the NFL would ever do like, more awards uh probably like what i guess well because these awards right we're talking about are generally so skewed towards quarterbacks and pass rushers right but i mean we we could we could probably find some great seasons over the last two decades that you know a cornerback has had or a safety has had that probably should have merited a defensive player of the year award or a receiver for mvp or something like that they don't have like a Jim Thorpe like college award for like right. best DB or whatever. So, I mean, I think they should do that. I think like best DB, best offensive skill position or something. I don't know. I guess it's offensive player of the year, but uh, well, that gets interesting into positions because that kind of gets into like all pro territory because like that is yeah, that's kind true. of an award in of itself. And like we, when it comes to like Hall of Fame time, we always debate yeah. you know how many all pros guys have, how many all pros they don't. Um, so I don't know. That's not technically like an award, but I'm sure the NFL could make up awards if they want to. MVP and <laughs> all of those awards they can make up and have a yeah. three-hour show like the NBA does for their awards. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I was just thinking about this because I don't know if you guys saw the conversation on Twitter between that was happening between Jalen Rabsey, Akib Talib, and Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. You know, all three guys who had some great, great seasons in the last decade. And I mean, like, of course, they were all pros or second team all pro, but then when you compare that kind of resume to, you know, like what Aaron Donald has and what JJ Watt has, and obviously, you know, 
is just kind of different conversation, right? When yeah. you're looking at JJ Watt, who is a three-time defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald four, I think at this point. And mm-hmm. then it's like Jalen Ramsey, two-time all first team all pro. It's like, doesn't really reflect how good of a player he is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was just thinking about that the other day. Yeah. Chat, what do you think about Derwin James being voted outside the top 10 by one NFL executive? There, there were a lot of there were a lot of those though. If you saw that, like the DT list, the weird list that they did with the quarterbacks, like it's just in general, mm-hmm. it was all over the place. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I read like Edge, and there was a guy that had Max Crosby outside his top ten. There was one that had Chandler Jones, like still in the top three. So I, I don't, I don't yeah. know. That's just a weird. I feel like if you poll 70 people, you'll probably find one guy who's willing to leave Derwin James out of the top 10. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, Nick Bosa's lowest ranking was 10. I yeah, think. which is like unbelievable. And, like, please name 10 or nine edge rushers better than Nick Bosa. Like, no. what are we doing here? So I don't know. I was, I was joking with um, one of the guys from Chargers Wire about it. And he was like, sometimes I feel like my evaluations on, of these players are just so off. And then I read these articles that <laughs> some NFL executive yeah. has, you know, 10 safeties better than Derwin James or nine edge rushers better than Nick Bosa. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I feel good about myself now. Yeah, that and um, someone said Drake London was like Keenan Allen. Yeah. <laughs> executive said that. I'm like, come on. Like, no, they're not. So I, don't, not I think people close. are just trolling at this point. Like, if people just get asked and they just troll. There's no yeah. way you could believe that. I think Jalen Ramsey's lowest ranking was like eight because Jamar Chase like burned him on one play. The guy one was play. like, yeah. Yeah. One of the greatest wide receiver rookie seasons ever, if not ever. Happens to burn him once. Yeah. Um, uh, Go ahead, Tyler. We'll do another uh, member question, and then we'll get to a, oh, okay. a chat question that I want to bring up. Yeah, let me go to a member question. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, from NV Talent, I have a two-parter. Are there any Chargers games you wish you could have seen live? And then same question, but just not the Chargers. There's another game you would have liked to see live that's not the Chargers. Um, I mean, so many games, right? You know, Philip Rivers was obviously talking with uh, the guys at the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame thing, and he mentioned, you know, the uh, playoff game against the Colts, the overtime playoff game. I think that would obviously be, at least in my lifetime, like obviously I would have loved to go to the AFC Championship game 
back in 1994, but I was uh, still not on this earth. <laughs> so a um, little before my time, a few days, actually. Um, but in, in my lifetime, I think the playoff game against the Colts that went to overtime, it, it would be at the top of my list. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Oh, man, what the games. Yeah, I would go Colts walk off. Uh, that's a big one. I'll go Chargers Chiefs 2018. I mean, I yeah, know it's yeah. a home Chargers game, but you know, Thursday night football, prime time, football weather, you know, the whole thing and you know, that comeback coming as quickly as it did. I think that would have been a really fun one to attend. Um could also go over the Steelers game same year uh for for that kind of same vibe. Uh yeah, I mean there, there's a lot of them. But yeah, Colts Colts Sproles would probably be my first choice. I would have liked to see, well, actually, honestly, Herbert's first game, because that would have been insane to be sitting in the stands. We never were able to go to that game. We didn't go to any games that year, but that would have been so cool to just be sitting in the stands. Also, Herbert's on the field, rushing touchdown. (laughs) Um, I don't think I went to Rivers' last home game. I feel like I should have, but I didn't. I I must have missed that. I would have loved to go to that. Was that because Raiders 2019 then? Maybe. No. Or was that year? Uh, I don't remember what that year up. was. No, his last his last last game was at Kansas City, wasn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. I remember that because they lost. And I really want to get to a game at Arrowhead. I know. I think his last home game was the Broncos. I don't know if that's true. It might have been. Because I think because the Raiders that year. Oh no, that oh, I'm mixing up seasons. No, I'm <laughs> no, I'm thinking of Herbert in that. So Raiders and yeah. uh, last home game was Oakland, and then oh, okay. last game was Kansas City away. Um, one quick thing, I wouldn't call this set in stone, but I would buy it. Anything new on a Derwin James extension? When could it be announced? I think it'll be announced around training camp because that's kind of how it's been. Yeah. Um, but there is a number floating around from a couple of people. So I think we do know what the APY is, just not the timetable. But I think it'll be around training camp. Yeah, I mean, there was obviously that um, thing about Jesse Bates in uh, Jeremy Fowler's tweet yesterday about um, them not likely being close to an extension. So that's obviously something to keep an eye on. I think the deadline for that to happen is is coming up this week, if I'm not mistaken, since he's on the franchise tag. Um, so we'll see if that number ends up changing, if the Bengals are able to kind of, you know, work some magic there with Jesse Bates or not. But, um, yeah, I would expect it to happen before they hit the field in, on the first day of training camp for sure. It's kind of like the late point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same with Joey Bosa. So I would look for the number to be, around what Arjun said, but the number we have is not from Arjun. But I would say look for what Arjun posted about his contract breakdown. There we go. Uh, question from Roy uh, Leggett that I wanted to get to earlier. <laughs> this is for Stephen Manningweather. I appreciate that. Um, obviously, O-Line Masterminds is this week. Wish I could have been there. That'd be amazing. Um, we all know what the what is our weak link along the offensive line. If the coaches refuse to move Matt Filer to tackle... Why not switch him to right guard to aid whoever is the liability at tackle? I think this is a really interesting question. Um, obviously, you know, you're going to start Zion at one of the guard spots. And theoretically, you hope that he can kind of 
help that tackle. But obviously you're talking about Matt Filer being, you know, a much better player at this point in their careers. So I think this is an interesting conversation. It really kind of comes down to uh, continuity and where players are comfortable because it's really hard to explain like how hard it is to switch sides along the offensive line when Matt Filer has played right tackle and left guard. So I don't know. There's a really weird dynamic there potentially where maybe Matt Filer's not super comfortable playing right guard, but he is at left guard. And then also I think one of the points that Daniel Popper has pointed out, you know, various times is that the Chargers view the left side of their offensive line with Slater, Filer, Lindsay as a true weapon on offense, and they don't really want to break that up. So I think it's an interesting idea. Obviously, getting Slater and Zion next to each other would be a whole lot of fun. Um, but I think the Chargers really want to keep continuity as much as possible along the offensive line, first and foremost. Yeah, I don't hate that. I've been watching the whole offense up through the Denver game now. Granted, I'm only watching wide receivers. Boy, watching Matt Filer, Slater, Lindsay, that side work, it's a it's a thing of beauty. So I don't blame them for not breaking that up. It's incredible. So they just got to make that right side work somehow. Um, yeah, there you go. there's my lighting. My lighting <laughs> went like completely dark for a second there. I think I'm fine with keeping the left side as it is. Uh, if you want to change the right side, you probably could put Filer there, but like that then what level of player are you getting out of rookie Zion Johnson from the jump at that spot that they've already talked about how they like left side as much, right? So um, I, I really don't see much of a difference it would make. Uh, I, I think at this point you're, you you kind of also create a hole there too. Not that I'm saying Zion is like a hole in the same way that Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton are, but starting from this point in the year, um, I, I just wouldn't mess with the chemistry they have on that left side. So the Chargers have, I'm just looking at explosive runs over 10 yards from the right guard over. So right guard, right tackle, and then outside, they have five explosive runs of 10 or more yards. Left side, left guard, left tackle, and off to the outside, they have 21. So yeah, they want to keep that left side intact. Yeah, which totally makes sense. Um, All right, Tyler, any other uh, member questions or Patreon questions? Patreon, no. Uh, member questions. We have about seven more from Chorizo con Papas, but maybe we'll... <laughs> Shout out Chorizo, man. I appreciate it. For sure. Uh, fast forward. Let's go one more from him. Fast forward to next offseason. We just won the Super Bowl. Which pending free agents get re-signed? And what are our top five draft needs? <laughs> All right. Right, Tackle? <laughs> Quite the question. Again. I could put that in the chat. I need to figure out. I, I haven't looked at the free agent list uh, extensively yet. Well, if it's a draft pick, that's not a first rounder. They're not getting re-signed. So there's that. Uh, I'll say I'll say cornerback because they probably cut Michael Davis and then Bryce Callahan's yeah. on a one-year deal. So if you want to... Uh, Asante's still on his rookie deal, and obviously you signed JC, but I'll say slot corner, corner depth in general probably becomes like the biggest concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I mean, it'll be wide receiver again. That'll be the, the popular one, I'm sure. I'm sure mock drops already have them taking wide receiver for the uh, year so- in a row. Sorry to cut you off there. Some quick free agent lists. Obviously, Derwin, um, but that'll be taken care of in a few weeks. 
Yeah. Kyle Van Oy, interesting one. Um, mm-hmm. Bryce Callahan, mm-hmm. depending on how he is healthy or not. Morgan Fox, Nasir Adderley, uh, Troy Reader, Jerry Tillery. Jalen Guyton is an interesting one to talk about. DeAndre Carter, depending on how that goes. Uh, J.K. Scott, Trey Pipkins, Donald Parham. Um, that's pretty much it in terms of starters, right? Then you get into uh, Forrest Merrill, Ben DeLuca, that group of undrafted free agents. Sure. Ethan Stick is, an, is a free agent. So, you know, Daniel Popper seems to think that uh, he's the long-term backup. So I assume that stick would be resigned on a cheap deal. Sure. No, happy for him. No, yeah. No one that really strikes me as priority aside from Derwin, which they're going to get done this off season. So then I think it's just the margins, right? If Jalen Guyton has a real breakout year and, you know, has 800 yards, then he's probably going to walk somewhere else and you can afford to resign him if he's more somewhere and closer to where he has been his whole career, then you probably can get him back, right? So I, I think it's just about attacking those margins and, and seeing which players can still be affordable. I wouldn't be surprised if Troy Reader <laughs> ends up back for another year, just yeah. because stay at the linebacker group. That seems like fine, uh, you know, continuity thing there. But um, I think that's really getting into like how based off of what they do in 2022 territory, obviously. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the biggest one for me that I'm kind of going to be keeping an eye on is obviously with Nasir Adderley. And, you know, he's somebody that I will continue to talk about being underrated last year. And, you know, I've, I've been watching the defense from last season. I'm only four games in, but um, watching the mental leap that Nasir Adderley took last year was really like a, a great thing to see on a week-to-week basis, just making plays that he was not making in 2020 to seeing and reacting so much faster. Um, obviously would love him to be able to come down with some more interceptions, be able to get uh, a grip more on his tackling rate and missed tackle rate, excuse me. But if he has the season that I kind of think he has or, or, or can have, then it's going to be tough for me to be able to watch him walk and, and be very similar feeling to this year Adderley, but obviously to a little bit of a, different situation because they drafted JT Woods. They're extending Derwin James. Right. Uh, I would love to have Nasir Adderley back if he if he does have the season I think he will have. But it, it's just going to be so tough to keep him and make him make his contract kind of work with where they're at financially and with the way that they drafted the last two years with Woods and Webb. They have, they're under or over almost $14 million in cap next year. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I didn't it was that bad. They're in the red right now quite a bit. Um, I think the cap will go up, so that will change. Okay. Um, but they're going to have to restructure quite a few people in order to free up some cap space to to sign some key free agents back and, and make some other additions too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. A couple of people have brought up Josh Palmer. What do you guys think? Uh, over under 50 catches, 750 yards. Under. Um, I would say of the two, I would say over 50 catches is more likely, Mm -hmm. um, 750 (laughs) yards. Like you'd, you'd have to have, uh, some kind of injury in front of him for that to happen. But I I could see him getting, you know, like 51, 52 catches or something like that. 
Yeah, I think it's just going to depend, yeah. depend on how the offense runs because we sort of talked about the 3A, 3B relationship with Guyton. If the offensive line stays healthy and they still have a chance to take more deep shots and Guyton is still getting fed, then I probably would go under. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe the two things aren't of like that much relation, but uh, I think last year you had Guyton with 31 catches, Palmer with 33, uh, and Guyton obviously kind of heated up towards the end of the season. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it just depends on what their offense is and what they're able to do on offense. Uh, if the offensive line stays relatively healthy and they're able to take more deep shots, I'd probably say under on Palmer for that reason. Yeah. A couple of people, cause I, I do want to bring this up. You know, is Josh Palmer the perfect Keenan replacement when the time comes to move on? He's the Mike Williams replacement. I'll be completely honest watching them and the way they rotated so far last year. They were definitely preparing for Josh Palmer to potentially be Mike Williams' replacement, and they'd bring in uh, KJ Hill and Jalen Guyton more for Keenan Allen. So I actually think that Josh Palmer is Mike Williams' replacement. Yeah, I think with you know projecting Palmer in like his best case scenario, right? He he is somebody that you could move around a little bit more, but I mean, obviously Keenan Allen is so much more of a a slot receiver. He can go on the outside, of course, but. Um, I, I think they're looking for that true X receiver in this offense. And I think that's what uh, Palmer's role is going to be after they move on from Mike Williams at some point. Possibly. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Super chat from Michael Lopez. Who's the surprise cut in training camp this year? We do it every year. Who's it going to be? So for it to be a surprise, I mean, like, I, I think, you know, at this time last year, had we known that Tyron Johnson was going to be cut, I don't know really how surprised we would be. It wasn't until mm-hmm. we saw what happened at training camp that really made him like yeah. a surprise cut because he was playing so well and being so explosive. So mm-hmm. I think some of that depends. I think a real surprise for me, if depending how the rookies show up, would be them cutting Michael Davis a year early, maybe. You know, mm-hmm. we've heard that the coaching staff isn't super high on him anymore. Maybe they just decide to, you know, cut that dead weight this year as opposed to waiting towards next year. I think right now that would be kind of like my only real surprise. Yeah. Depends how they feel about the guys behind him. Right. I don't right. really see why, but I think it would be uh, Drew Tranquil. Oh, hmm. That'd be a surprise and very unfortunate. Because we know Murray's starting. Let me get this. Troy Reader legitimately might be the starter opposite him. I don't think so. Like again, this is a surprise. I mean, you have Nick Neiman. If you want to hang on to Ogbong Bamiga and you only want to keep four linebackers, and you have Kyle Van Noy, and Drew Drinkle's really not your guy and he's not that healthy. Maybe him. I mean, he started camp last year as the third linebacker. So it's not like they loved him into training camp last year and had big plans for him. He just outplayed Murray and Murray got hurt. So maybe him. I'd say Jerry Tillery would be the surprise. Um, 
I know that sounds weird to say because uh, people have called him bad, obviously, and we've had several, I feel like, roster predictions that have left Jerry Tillery out um, or have not necessarily left, left him out but had him on the bubble. Um, but it would be a very un like move, I think, to move on from Jerry Tillery sure. in, in, in quite a dramatic way for a former first-round pick, um, even though he hasn't lived up to that billing. So uh, I would say Tillery is a possible one. I still don't think it's going to happen because you don't you don't have anyone else other than Morgan Fox as a, as a pass rushing uh, interior guy. Yeah, if they decided to cut Drew Tranquil, I would be very concerned about the future of this linebacker room. Um, that would be that would be a tough one to swallow. Um, I, I don't know if it would be necessarily a surprise, but I am going to hate in the moment that they choose Christian Covington over Braden Fajoko because uh, I mentioned, you know, going back and watching Christian Covington was awful last year in the first four games that I studied. And um, <laughs> talking about like being as bad as like Eric Banks and Jerry Tillery against the run. So uh, if they choose him over Braden Fajoko, I'm going to be very, very upset. Yeah, I... Yeah, Jerry Tillery. Could... I'll just say Jerry Tillery kind of kind of helped Christian Covington dodge some of the uh, yes. fire from the criticism because um, there were quite a few games where uh, the two linked up in terms of how bad they were. Uh, the Eagles game is kind of an example of that one uh, where Tillery ended up having a bad game with Stone Covington. Uh, so yeah, I, I do think that he doesn't get enough smoke from Chargers Twitter. Then again. Tillery was a first round pick and Christian Covington is playing for the minimum. So there's that, mm -hmm. but I do think he dodges some of the criticism there. Yeah. So kind of a, an extension of that conversation about the defensive tackles. Steven also mm -hmm. wants to know, uh, is Tito or Tito Ogbonia more of a Tillery spot or is he more Johnson slash Sebastian Joseph day? Um, I've talked about this a little bit and Tyler has as well. So Tyler, where are you at with how would you kind of uh, employ Tito this year as a rookie? Oh, good question. Um, so is he more of a Tillery or Johnson, Sebastian, Joseph Day? I suppose he's more of a Tillery. I see him as I, I currently see him more as more of a pass rusher. I certainly wanted, wouldn't want him as a nose by any means. I even watched him go against a couple centers, one being Nick Ford, one being Donovan West, and he got his ass kicked by those guys. I think him being more of a gap shooter as your you know three tech sort of guy might work best for him. Um, but I haven't watched a ton of him to really make a judgment. I know Steven's watched more of him. Yeah, so I, I think he's, for me, I would kind of put um, these three defensive tackles, Tillery Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day, in, in different categories. Because yeah. I know Sebastian Joseph Day, for me, is kind of a jack-of-all-trades because he can play you know, one through five, essentially, meaning he can play in front of the center, he can play in front of the guards, and he can play in front of tackles uh, from time to time. So for me, like, that's kind of the best case scenario for Otito is somebody that could do a little bit of everything. Um, Austin Johnson, to me, is your starting nose tackle. And the furthest I would put him out is three tech against the guards. So like Tyler said, I'm not necessarily putting Tito against – uh, as the nose right away, maybe he can develop that in, in his game. But um, right now I would have him be more of a three and a five tech. So I guess kind of more of a Tillery, although very different body types for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of broad categories. I would say he's like somewhere between like a Tillery and a Justin Jones, 
maybe like kind of from last year. Um, cool. So yeah, like not certainly not a run stopper, but he doesn't fit that like Tillery persona either. So I feel like he's a little bit in the middle, but I don't know. Yeah. Good question. Though. I, I, I think if everybody's healthy, obviously you're going to see them be pretty, you know, deliberate with easing Tito into the rotation, very similar to how they did with Chris Rumpf where, You'll see him get a series here or there. You're not going to see him be like a starter by any means, unless obviously injuries happen. But uh, I'm excited to see what happens there. Um, NFL is lit. Wants to know what's one thing you guys want to see from the coaching staff this season. Alex, you want to take this one first? Uh, is there an obvious? One? I don't know. Is there an obvious one? What we would want to see from the coaching staff? I, the stereotypical offensive thing is more deep shots, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that. That's the easy one. Um, uh, I, I guess I'm more most curious to see roster cut decisions, even though um, that's not like a, a a game plan thing or like what they're going to do there. But uh, we saw some of them last year; they were surprising. I'm, I'm curious to see if they're going to be as surprising this year. And the emphasis on Ryan Ficken uh, being the new special teams coordinator, and if that creates a lot of change from the Darius Swinton uh, special teams picks era, which uh, certainly uh, put the Chargers behind the eight ball last year. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do um, in terms of making those roster decisions to help special teams. It's kind of a boring one, but like we kind of know what Brandon Staley is and we kind of know what Joe Lombardi is too. Um, so I think Brian Ficken's influence on the special teams is kind of the uh, wild card. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, just watching the receivers so far, actually they, they did this. So Keenan Allen, I had him graded at like his best route was post corner. Like that combo was amazing for him. By far the best between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. That was before the buy. Started watching after the buy. The combo he ran more than anything else after the buy was post corner. Like they really increased that for Keenan Allen. So I'd like to see them work with that a little bit more. I don't know how that works schematically. I'll get into the offensive calls after this, but just seeing him them take that like the thing that he did the best and then do more of it right after the buy is great so you can use keenan on the attack downfield um i would love for them to finally find a right tackle because <laughs> I, I can't believe how bad the right side was at certain points last season and i can't yeah. believe we still don't have a right tackle um because that was by far the thing that's been struggling make the struggle the most um but whatever um uh, what else get donald think, parham involved yeah one. I, I think for me, like roster construction is really just like the overarching Huge. theme that I, I need to see this coaching staff improve upon. Like, you know, last year you're keeping four running backs, you're keeping um, four tight ends and a fullback, you're keeping five defensive tackles, keeping five linebackers. So I think the roster construction just needs to be more flexible at positions of, of premium need, right? Like, I, you know, I need to see that wide receiver five have a role on offense and not just be a returner only kind of player. So there are some things like that that I think for sure need to be improved upon. I also am at the point where I think I'd love for them to cross the 50 before they always go for it on fourth down, unless it's obviously a required oh, yeah. situation. I get the numbers and I even support <laughs> it and everything. I just, I have a really hard time when it's at the 23 or the 18 or something, unless you absolutely need to, and it's a requirement. Yeah, I think uh, just, least... from a, just from just from our health perspective, that would be nice too. <laughs> uh, yeah, the fourth down from the twenty-three yard line—that's that, still a little bit of a rough one. Um, I'll, I'll say in response to that, 
the thing I'm most curious to see, I don't know if I would say want to either way in terms of what Staley's going to do on fourth down because he's going to have his opponents on that for the rest of his career and he's going to have his, uh, you know, uh, you know, his supporters on that. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll say what the response is in year two to all of the criticism uh, and uh, the, all the media narrative that's been made about it and, and how yeah. that affects his decision making. Not that I'm saying it will um, but I, I do think that's kind of the human element to talk about, uh, but, you know, from the Raiders game, obviously it gets a lot of criticism from that. Uh, even though I think all three of us are mostly supportive of his moves there outside of the one from the 23. Uh, so I'll be curious to see how he changes some of his, uh, philosophy about that, if at all. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good one. Um, good question here from ad here, Cotter, uh, he wants to know if it's more likely for the offense to be the best offense in the league or for the defense to get into the top five conversation. Offense. Offense. It yeah, already I, was. Yeah. I, I think you're just relying on too many things for defense, right? I mean, health is a huge one and chargers were one of the luckier healthy teams last year, but that linebacker group, uh, <laughs> it's really tough if you're going to have a top five defense particularly yeah. against the run, it will certainly be better than what it was last year. Um, no doubt. But I mean, anytime it's also just the fact that you have Justin Herbert, who's a top five quarterback. And anytime you have that on a team, then it makes it immediately more likely that your offense will yeah. be, you know, top five, or I guess in this case, we're debating number one or defense top five, but I think it's still much more likely that the number one offense than top five defense. Yeah. I mean, de- depending on the metric, right. The, the offense is pretty consistently in that top five conversation. Um, so for them to go from five, you know, four, six, whatever the range is to number one, yeah. is not necessarily a huge jump. And we, we've seen from, you know, across the last 15 years that offense is it's so much more sustainable than it is for a defense to consistently be good. So there's obviously a chance the Chargers get into a top five, but I, I would definitely bank on the Chargers um, getting into number one as opposed to defense getting into top five. I think for for me, the expectations for the defense would be in that top 10 to 12 conversation as opposed yeah. to like legitimately top five. Um, if they are top five, obviously great. But I think from an expectation sure. standpoint, I'm not expecting mm-hmm. them to go from bottom five to top five. I just don't think that's super realistic. Yeah, I completely agree. I'll take top 16. Like if you're just in the top half of the league, I'm good with that. The offense is yeah. top seven. Defense is top 16. And the special teams is like top 30. Yeah, that'd <laughs> top be great. 25. Yeah. Top 25, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> Same conversations that we had for special teams last year. Just mm-hmm. don't be bottom five and we're good. We'll take Love it. it. Love it. Um, Ross Ackerman, a question about, oh, oh go sorry. ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll answer that question first. But yeah. Okay. From LA Chargers fan, realistic expectations for this season. I expect a wild card, card berth and one playoff win. Thanks for the content, gentlemen. I think that's really fair. That's pretty, uh, yeah, that's a pretty yeah. good one. <laughs> that's pretty fair. I, I think that's a reasonable one. And the wild card is, really tough at this point right because the margins that separate five through seven are are really hard so that's the difference between i don't know playing the chiefs uh potentially in the first round or are you playing like one of the afc south teams which no disrespect to them but i i would rather play like the four seed afc south than the colts or or than the sorry than the bills or the ravens or the chiefs so i mean it all just depends on kind of the luck of the draw there uh and what teams are clumped if we're saying the chargers are getting a wild card spot 
I think the division is still realistic, um, and, and many fans still think it uh, is a possibility. I, I do think it is as well, but I would certainly bet more on wildcard berth. Um, one playoff win, but, you know, if, if you do get one playoff win, then things can obviously kind of snowball from there, as we've seen from some of the luckier playoff teams in recent years. Yeah. I, I think if you're talking about anything less than this, then I think the season is is a failure. So um, I think if you make the playoffs, win a playoff game, you can talk about the season being a success. You know, you're taking that step forward towards building a, a you know, long-term contender with Justin Herbert and things like that. So I think that's a realistic expectation. I think obviously the Chargers could have a much higher ceiling, if you will. Like I think there is, you know, a good conversation to be had about them winning the division potentially, you know, getting a top three seed in the AFC. But for me, like the absolute bare minimum I need to see for this season to be a success is make the playoffs and win a playoff game. So I think that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ross, I love how many questions we get anytime we do one of these about Xander Horvath, uh, the <laughs> Chargers fullback. Uh, he says, do you think Xander Horvath's RES score holds weight at the next level? Is there a correlation between RES and fullback success? Um, if Gabe Neighbors RES score is high, then the correlation is no. Um, <laughs> so Kyle Uschek's was nine point seven nine. Yeah, for fullback. So that's yeah. definitely one. Please don't make me go through these fullback names and remember who these people are. I, I uh, would who's, have who's, to another, who's another good one. I, I don't. I, Tyler could go through the whole list of fullbacks. Wow. I would assume, though, that there probably is a correlation of RES score. I mean, there's a very similar trend amongst uh, running backs, where like over fifty percent of like Pro Bowlers have had like uh, uh, above like an eight RES score or something like that. So for for the running backs, so I would imagine it's probably similar for fullbacks. Although you do have fullbacks that are conventionally good and probably like bottom 10 full backs in the league but they have like 1.5 RAS scores so I don't bottom know. 10 yeah. fullbacks that's an interesting conversation because i think maybe like 15 teams maybe use a fullback where's that list fowler <laughs> um There's i think one. it just kind of depends on the role that you're asking that player to to come into because i think you know steven anderson as kind of that h-back fullback hybrid you know, his RES score wasn't exactly elite and he was able to be successful, but, you know, obviously he's not Kyle Juszczyk. So um, right. just kind of depends really what your expectations f- are for that specific role and that player. Um, I think the RES score that will definitely hold some weight for him being a, a highly effective special teams player, um, mm-hmm. you know, because that's kind of, what they're banking on right now like right that that's yeah. kind of why they're choosing horvath over neighbors potentially uh likely because neighbors is not very good on special teams so um i guess we'll see right like depends how creative they want to be with with horvath at the next level yeah lorenzo neal's res score is 3.28 so it very just depends on the kind though, of fullback yeah. yeah yeah what was mike allstott's res score uh, i'm curious he considered a fullback or a running back? I don't know. I would assume really. fullback. Why is this fair? You just keep talking off. Okay. It's a little slow <laughs> on the RES website. Um, Derek Watt was 7.65. Okay. It's good to know. It's a little higher than I thought, but... 
Uh, Patrick Ricard was 9.51. Wow. Okay. There you go. But Ricard, too, I feel like he's probably off the top of my head the best AFC fullback, but he was a defensive tackle first. So that's another, like, that's a really weirdly specific role that he kind of came into. So um, I get, like I said, it just kind of depends. But obviously, him, Horvath having such a high RAS is definitely a good thing. I mean, we should really petition and push for the Chargers to have a top 10 fullback in an era where nobody cares about fullback. <laughs> we should re- really push it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll take one more question here to wrap it up because I think this is obviously relevant to what we've uh, been talking about. Uh, don't media. even get me started. <laughs> Tyler's the one who's waded himself into these waters. <laughs> uh, Kareem says, I'm late, but why the hell do you think they won't make Justin Jackson RB3 or 2B even? Uh, lowering his snap count could reduce his injuries, and we'd have the best RB3 in the league. Uh, so, Tyler, I'll give you the floor here, man. Uh, what's, what what's is wrong with people? What is, what is Twitter like? Okay, so tw- I understand, like, why you'd be concerned about his availability. I totally get that. But people are like, he's unrosterable. So, Kareem, if you're not even on Twitter, you're not even referencing Twitter, my bad. But I'm referencing Twitter. Yes, I know he's not on the team. I'm just talking, people are talking about bringing him back. <laughs> what are people talking about? He's unrosterable. He's not available. He's good. And he yeah. played 13 games last year. His last four games, he had 342 total yards. He's like one of the only guys who showed up against that Houston game, um, showed up against Kansas City. I think he scored against the Raiders as well, whatever. Like, d- people did watch Kelly and Roundtree play last year, right? They do know that Roundtree has <laughs> negative one receiving yards, right? Like, in almost every category, Kelly and Roundtree are like bottom five. It's not even like they're in the middle and like they'll get better. <laughs> Because year two, year three, whatever. Like they're on bottom five. And <laughs> yeah. Justin Jackson is top ten. People are like, Justin Jackson's unrosterable because he doesn't, he's not reliable. Like, no, come on. Like at some yes, like availability is important. And I think that's why they took Spiller, you know, because you can't trust Justin Jackson to be RB2. But like at some point, ability and being good at football should matter. And I'm not going to take like, okay, imagine it's a magic wand. I could play football (laughs) and I was available for 17 games. You'd want me on the roster because I'm more available over Justin Jackson. (laughs) He plays 12 games, 13 games. I think it would be very quick to the point where you would be unavailable. (laughs) (laughs) We're playing a magic wand here. Okay. Okay. It's a very, very magic special wand. I hate this. Everybody. Oh, he's, he's glass. I don't want him on the team. Um, but Mike Williams extension, Derwin James extension, like, no, like, those guys are hurt all the time too. I get that it's running back, but Justin Jackson's making a million dollars maybe on this team as an RB3. People are so adamant about him being unrosterable, and I don't get it. The running backs on this team after Austin Eckler last year were terrible, bad, bottom five. Like, imagine Storm Norton at right tackle. Okay, but these guys at running back. Like, that's how bad it is. And we don't want Justin Jackson. Someone's like, oh, we don't want another Jason Verrett. Like, if you told me Jason Verrett could play 13 games right now and as CB6, screw it. I'll do it. Put him on the roster. There's no reason to not have him on the roster. If he loses training camp, he loses. If he gets hurt, he's out. But people are so much like, oh, he's unrosterable. Yeah, RB3, RB4, whatever. Yeah, put him on the no, team. We're, we're not asking him to be, you know, RB1. And that's a fantastic rant, by the way. I you know, have to give you a... <laughs> a good golf clap there at least. So um, it's a very similar conversation to Bryce Callahan, right? Like Bryce Callahan, people are talking about him being a Thank steal you. and yes. being, a, being a great player for this team uh-huh. and being a starter. 
I mean, the man has played like 12 games in the last three years. So, um, again, we're not asking for Justin Jackson to come in and be RB1, not even RB2. Just no. give me RB3. Give me somebody that I can rely upon. Good special teams player. Cash the ball out of the backfield. Actually is athletic and has some vision and juice to him. So, I think Justin Jackson as your RB3 would be a perfect situation. I've, I would feel great about a Eckler, Spiller, Justin Jackson, running back trio, and then Xander Horvath as your fullback. So yeah. I, would, I would be very happy with this. Yeah, I mean, I think the real answer to this question is that the league just ends up churning through running backs, and when they're done yeah. with their rookie contract, then mm-hmm. it's time for you know Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly until they're done with their rookie contract and then replaced. So it is kind of a uh, you know conveyor belt of just going through that position in the league. Uh, I would love to bring him back, but I, I just don't think at this point it's going to happen. And like, you know, Tyler said, for a guy who is top 20, top 10 in so many statistics at his position um, and, and had his career year last year, I mean, I know it was hard for part of it. Um, it it's, it's weird that he's not on a roster, which is was my first tweet originally in general. Like I didn't even say, oh, he should be on the Chargers roster. Just like 32 rosters. Every team has five running backs. You're telling me Justin Jackson isn't top 160, right? Like that was kind of just my thought on that. So um, I certainly think he should be on someone's roster. I think for a lot of reasons, particularly the injury bug, but also just uh, you know the rookie contracts they have on that roster on that roster space in general. Uh, don't think it'll happen, but obviously would love if Justin Jackson be brought back and we don't yeah. have to think about Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree anymore. That'd be awesome. But uh, right. I think it's just like a competition thing too. It's like you don't have to settle for trying to figure out Kelly Roundtree or, or trying to figure out if one of these undrafted free agents is better than them. It's like you had a good, reliable option as your RB3, like just bring him in for competition at minimum. So that's kind yeah. of how I feel about the right tackle spot. That's how I felt about Edge before they signed Kyle Van Noy. So uh hopefully uh i get this situation figured out so um all right good uh good q a today guys really appreciate all the uh great questions um like i said we are 17 days away from training camp so we'll have a bunch more content coming up and uh we'll talk to you guys at that point tyler alex any uh final thoughts before we head out for the day yes I want to bring this up. Oh, hold on. Let me bring it down. Okay. Mike Tolbert's RAS score is higher than Larry Roundtree's. Good night. <laughs> uh, <By a> lot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. That's, that's a great way to end that. So, Tyler, appreciate it. Alex, appreciate it. Uh, appreciate all the questions, all the support. Uh, we'll talk to you guys later.